0: With zone nicotine pouches.
1: Welcome to NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Wheel and Engineering and also brought to you by Hercules Tire. I'm Hannah Newhouse each and every week. My co-host Kyle Ricky joins me here on the show to bring you all of the action in NASCAR's regional, local, and international touring series. Over the weekend, it was a busy weekend for the Arca Menard Series. They had a double-header weekend starting on Friday at Michigan, kicking off the action, which would be the rest of NASCAR Series throughout the weekend for the Henry Ford Health Systems 200. Kyle, I'll let you take a guess. You can flip a coin because there's probably one of two that ended in victory lane.
2: Yeah, and uh, it's one of the two. Uh, If you got heads, and Ty Gibbs was able to claim down the win, uh, led only 99 of the 100 laps. And roots to the checkered flag. Corey Heim, his closest contender all season long, led that other lone lap in the race. Nick Sanchez, Sam Meyer, or Sam Mayer, that is, and Kyle Sieg rounded out the top five. A couple of big wrecks uh, in this race, especially early on, uh, five cautions, big hits involving Drew Dollar and Tim Richmond, and then later in the race with Jason Kitzmiller and Gracie Trotter. So, um, and, and it was a quick turnaround because they raced 48 hours later, on dirt in Springfield. So a very very busy week for all the Arkham Arts teams, but especially for those that got the outside wall on Friday afternoon.
1: Yeah, definitely a lot of carnage uh, in that Michigan race. That win for Gibbs being his eighth win of the season. And of course when we went into the race weekend, we've talked about it the last couple of weeks, uh, a, a pretty decent points battle between Hyman and Gibbs, usually swapping back and forth between 1 to 2 points. So they went into Sunday at uh, Springfield for the Allen Crow 100 in the other side of the coin. One at Springfield being Corey Heim, but don't worry, Ty Gibbs finished second over Tanner Gray. So uh, it just seems to be a back and forth swap, but it just continues to make the points battle that much more intense between these two that have just had a dominating season. You know, right now, Ty Gibbs only leads Heim over one point. And then there's third place of uh, Moffitt, Thad Moffitt, 151 points. So, of course, the championship really coming down to those two. But I continue to think as they head to Milwaukee Mile uh, on Sunday for the Sprecher 150 that we're going to continue to see this points battle go back and forth because those two just can't seem to misstep.
2: And it would be fun, and it, it's going to come down to those two drivers, and it'll be fun to watch over the next five events beginning at Milwaukee this weekend at the Milwaukee Mile. But it would be fun if they moved up together. Um, I don't know if Corey can get an Xfinity ride as easy as Ty's going to be able to, but it'd be fun to to watch them duke it out in the truck series and in the Xfinity series these next couple of seasons. Um, I think we kind of know that Ty is is no doubt uh, going to move up next year um, unofficially. Officially, I guess you could call it. Uh, not sure what Corey's plans are for, for next season, but it would be fun if we could at least see them dabble a little, a little bit in NASCAR's um, national spotlight.
1: Yeah. And Corey Haim, of course, has made a couple of truck starts this season as well. Uh, you know, kind of starting to be enveloped by the Toyota pipeline. So uh, we could eventually see him in the Xfinity series. But like you said, probably not as easy of a jump for someone like Haim in comparison to Ty Gibbs. But speaking of making jumps and working your way up the ranks, we see a lot of racetracks that seem to just cultivate drivers up through the ranks. One of those being the Hickory Motor Speedway, of course, that sits in the backyard here of the Charlotte metro area. And a lot of big names, Josh Berry being one of those who recently just signed himself a full-time Xfinity ride with Junior Motorsports, so congratulations to him. We're excited to see that. But uh, a lot of drivers try and cut their teeth here around the Carolinas, and one of those being 17-year-old up-and-coming driver of Whitney Megs. She collected her first win at the Hickory Motor Speedway, and as Kyle, as someone who's raced Hickory, that is not an easy racetrack to get a win at. So to, to get your first big late model win be there is a, is a pretty cool feat.
2: It's where NASCAR stars are born, and it's not supposed to be easy. It's been a difficult racetrack for for over 50 years now. Uh, One of the toughest short tracks in the South, Hickory Motor Speedway. We saw that even when NASCAR's National Series raced here, the NASCAR Xfinity Series back in in the Bush Series days when I think one race there was 26 caution flags. So it's not supposed to be easy, a very tough track to get around with great competition. Um, Seems like everybody that wants to make a name for themselves in the sport on a national level, like Josh Berry, goes to the Hickory Motor Speedway because they know that experience will pay off in the long run when it comes to moving up.
1: Yeah, some of the toughest tracks to navigate are those down here in the south. So we're going to talk to Whitney Meggs after the break about that win and, of course, how she got her start in racing. But first and foremost, the iRacing update presented by Logitech G is here. The playoff rounds for the NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series are here as well. There are only four races left in the season. 10 drivers are going to be competing in the playoffs for the 2021 E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series Championship. The first round of those playoffs, though, are going to start on Tuesday, August 31st at the Virtual Darlington Raceway. You can catch all the action and the iRacing countdown to green at enascar.com backslash live. They'll start at 8.30 p.m. on enascar.com. The race starting at 9 p.m. again on Tuesday, August 31st. Go to iRacing.com for all of the latest news, featured videos, and more on the world of iRacing. This iRacing update is brought to you by Logitech G. When we come back from the break, we're going to have Whitney Meg to talk some short track racing.
0: Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights. Whelan also produces white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and high-powered warning systems for automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Every part of every Wheeland product is proudly designed and manufactured in America and is tested on-site to meet the toughest industry certifications. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 19. 52.
3: Gamers, start your engines. Meet the next generation of racing wheels. The award-winning Logitech G design is re-engineered to dial into your game physics, delivering unprecedented realism. Feel every shift, drift, and hairpin turn like never before. Our latest innovation in force feedback technology connects directly to end-game simulation engines and physics to produce higher-fidelity, real-time responses. Through design, engineering, and the love of driving games, Logitech G takes racing simulation to another level. Go to LogitechG.com.
1: Welcome back to NASCAR Coast to Coast here on the Motor Racing Network. We talked about a young driver who got her first win at the Hickory Motor Speedway over the past weekend. That is 17-year-old Whitney Meggs. She joins us now here on Coast to Coast via Zoom. First off, Whitney, you just got out of school, so thanks for taking a minute to uh, jump on and chat with us. You're
4: welcome. I was
1: in pre out so. Well, that it makes you feel any better, I'm pretty sure I didn't pass Calc at all in college, and there's a reason never that I never could. Never could. That's why I had to change degrees. Uh, thought I was going to go into business. Turns out, talking you don't have to do a lot of math. Uh, but that being said, you uh, you know have a racing career that started relatively recently. When it comes into that, we're going to talk about that first before we get into your win. Ultimately, how did you get into racing?
4: Um, my dad used to race go karts like before I was born. So I mean, I never watched him race, but I still. Like as far as like going to watch races, like I always went to dirt tracks though. I always loved dirt, and I thought I've always wanted to race dirt, and I didn't. (laughs) But um, then my brother started before me. He's twelve. Um, we raced Vandaleros, and I raced. I started when I was fourteen, so I started a little late, and um, I raced those for like three years, and then. I started, I raced limiteds at Myrtle Beach last year. That was my first year in a big car. And then this year I started racing. For December, I got the chance to race with Lee McCall and Justin. And um, we, I've just been running late model stock this year. And we've went, we've kind of went all over though. Like we haven't stuck at one track, but that's a good thing.
2: Now, reading about you, I feel like uh, motorsports, and especially dirt car racing, and, and now asphalt car racing, kind of fits right into your wheelhouse. I feel like you and your family, very outdoorsy. You have horses or had horses. Uh, yeah. I think I read somewhere you, you enjoy fishing. Is that stuff that you still still like to do when you're not at the racetrack? Yeah,
4: um, we have a lot of horses. We um, I'm pretty sure we have, like, 17 or 18 horses.
2: Um, a full-time job right there.
4: yeah. <laughs> Um, I still like to hunt and I fish and um, I used to play sports but then I quit all that so I could focus more on racing so um, I don't play any more sports. Racing will definitely
1: take over your life very quickly. We all know how that works. You start off with a lot of things and all of a sudden you realize you spend a lot more time at a racetrack than you ever anticipated. Um, You mentioned that you started racing at 14, definitely a lot later than we see anymore. Usually, myself included, you start racing go-karts at six and work your way up there first year in Bandoleros and then a quick jump to a limited late model. What was that initial jump like, you know, the learning curve that you went through going from a bandolero to a limited late model?
4: Um, I mean, it was different because I mean, I I had never I raced a legend car one time. And I ended up breaking my thumb racing it. And (laughs) I didn't want no more. I didn't want anything else to do with it. But I basically learned like, I mean, driving anything manual, I learned it racing limiteds, So and I got I got the hang of racing at the beach, like, quick. Like, I did good there for the most part. So I never really struggled there, um, other than the first race. I don't count that. <laughs> well,
2: forget about, forget about the first race. Um, <laughs> you won at Myrtle Beach last year, I believe in a Charger car, um, not in the late model, the next class down. But uh, how special was it to win at that racetrack uh, before it shut for the final time? Because you were one of the last winners there.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, Just like I'm pretty sure I won the race before the last one, Um, but just no shutting down. I I I thought we would like eventually like all year racing there because I mean other than the first race we had all top fives there. So I mean, but everybody I mean everybody raced against each other. Nobody knew really showed up. So I mean everyone like had respect for each other and everyone was used to racing against. Like that group, so it wasn't really. I mean, I still learned a lot there. Like that's where I started. So,
1: yeah, Myrtle Beach is definitely one of those racetracks uh, that was tough for me to pick up on in a super because it is so abrasive. You know, we're running longer races and it's it's a hard racetrack to get a hold of. Which brings me to you know Hickory Motor Speedway. You'd mentioned now transitioning to you know limited late models, late model stocks, racing with Justin Johnson and you know Hawk McCall Racing how you're going to all of these different racetracks instead of being at the same one every single weekend. How hard has that been for you as a driver that's adapting to a new car, but also having to learn all these new racetracks?
4: Um, uh, Towards the beginning of the year, it was harder, I guess, because, I mean, still in my mind, I was used to being at one racetrack. I mean, but last year, I mean, I did, I went to Southern National once last year and then I ran the Fall at Hickory. And then um, that was it. Oh, I ran the last late model race at Myrtle Beach with Lee. And because he had a car and um, he just asked if somebody wanted to drive it. So I drove it and I did good. I mean, I, for the most part, <laughs> for my first late model race, but um, I ended up getting wrecked out of that. But for my first late-mile race, that one was pretty good. But going to racetracks, it was – we went to – um I went to South Boston and Motor Mile with Justin um, the few weekends before Hickory this past weekend. And I loved those two racetracks. I mean, I, it was my first time there, but, like, I would never been to a track with grip like those two. But we did good there. I mean, for my first time there, I think – I finished eighth in the first race at South Austin, and then the second race, we I lost power steering before we even left the pits, but we went out for like 20 laps, and then Justin told me to come in. We weren't learning nothing, um, and then motor mile, I finished, oh, Lord, where'd I finish? Um, oh, fifth in the first race, and then the second race. Oh gosh.
1: I don't remember. It was starting to blend together. It was
2: something like that. Let's talk about this past Saturday night, fresh on the mind, kind of guess the highs and lows of motorsports for you and what uh, an hour, hour and a half time picking up the win, and then an eight car invert. And then you go into turn number one and uh, there's a big incident and and you wad the car up kind of walk us through your night. uh, Just, emotionally, getting that first win. We'll start there. Uh, what was it like to, to be in victory lane at Hickory?
4: Um, well, I didn't think the first rate, my first win would be there because um, just – I mean, I do good there for the most part. Everyone tells me they don't like it. But, I mean, if I had to pick a track that I like the most – I mean, other before I went to South Boston and Mittermile, um I like Hickory a lot. But I never thought I would win there for my first one. But, um, we, the car was all day. I mean, even in practice. And I think we made probably two adjustments on it just to see what it would do. And I mean, we were a little off in qualifying though. We qualified fourth. but everyone was close together in times. But I'm not going to, when I won, I am teared up a little bit. (laughs) Um, um,
2: and then, then race two, all those happy tears go away pretty quick.
4: Yeah. Yeah. They never, just say go ahead. The invert just I don't know. Just messed it all up.
5: How bad's the car?
4: Um, it's not bad. I think it's just um just cosmetic damage as far as the the hood never got messed up. <laughs> of all things, the hood never got messed up. Just the um I think we could have finished it, um, but it got the radiator. So, but it got the fenders, the bumper, (laughs) not the hood.
1: (laughs) Fortunately, uh, fenders are usually some of the easier stuff to fix when it comes to getting ready for another race weekend. When you started this year, knowing that it was going to be busy bouncing back and forth between teams and, of course, racetracks, was a win on your goal list or what was your set of goals going into this year?
4: Um, I definitely wanted to win, (laughs) but, um, I was really just planning on learning, um, from Lee and Justin because I, I raced that the 41 car for Lee and then my personal car with Justin. So, I mean, I'm having to go in between like two different cars, but it's not hard now. Like it was, I had to get used to it towards like the beginning of the year, but I'm, like I'm pretty sure like I'm used to it now. But um it's basically I just wanted to learn. I mean I wanted to win and do good, but I mean as far as my first year in late models, I just it was on learning curve. So, so
2: So sixteen races into your, your season, what are some of those big things that you've been able to learn thus far?
4: Um Just, well, Justin can get in my car because of our seats and our inserts. So I can, I learn, I learn from him and Lee helps me a ton too. So going to tracks, Justin's raced a lot of tracks. Lee's been to a lot of racetracks. So, I mean, they, they have experience at most of all the tracks we've been to. So anything that they tell me, just learning everything they tell me so those are definitely two good people to work
1: with of course a lot of drivers that have come up through hawk mccall's stuff justin johnson of course has caden Honeycut right now in his stall as well who's doing yeah. great in the cars tour so and then of course including you know Stephen dunn with rpm you've surrounded yourself with a group of people that obviously um have a set a path of for success for you which is exciting to watch uh, your next race coming up in a couple weeks that is south boston on september 11th so you've got some time to uh sit back and relax. I say that you still have school that you, uh, have recently started again. Are you looking forward to going back to South Boston now that you've got
4: some laps underneath you there? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, my first time there, I never thought I would, I mean, I know like my, the finish there for the first time wasn't like, I mean, it was good from the first time there. And then we were constantly side-by-side racing. So it wasn't just riding around. So but I think the second time there will be better just knowing what we should do to the car and what I know I should, I could do different. So I think going back for the second time we could do way better than the first time.
2: So here at the Stafford motor speedway, we have a set of twin sisters. One runs in the SK modified light division. And is also here on, on cart night back, she's probably setting up behind me right now. Her sister we might see at the track once a year, maybe twice a year, for the most part, wants nothing to do with it. You I have a twin race. sister. She does not I have she, a twin sister. The, the the twin sister does not race. The twin sister oh, really doesn't want anything to do with it. Does your twin sister to. have anything to do with it?
4: Uh she used to race bands, okay. but so we went in a lane loop one time, like two years ago on Easter weekend. And um it was the last lap, but they combine everyone there. So, like, all the different classes, they just combine them, and you can win your division. But um, but it was the last lap, and I was leading, and my brother was b- behind me, and everyone's just running nose to tail there. So, he – we were going into one on the last lap, and he just dove under me and came up and spun me out. And here comes Laney, just never lifted and hit me in the side. Just – I th- I'm pretty sure that was the last race she
2: she ran. Does she support you now, though? Is she at the racetrack? Sometimes. Supporting you? Sometimes. Okay, that's like she's not too
4: far away. Okay, like if we run if we run at Florence, she'll go. But she don't. But she's busy. She has dance and softball. So, but well, she doesn't have softball right now. She'll have that in spring. But she has dance and. Um, and if I would, like, I, if we're different. Like, me and her are complete opposites. But I mean, if I'm not racing, I would love to be at a racetrack like any weekend. But
2: that's, we're opposites. Some busy parents right there, Hannah. No, I was going to say dads, busy parents.
4: <laughs> yeah. That's and too my funny. Brother, my brother races dirt now. So he's done, we sold all of our bando stuff. Um, he races the Outlaw carts at Millbridge and, um, he's been to Mountain Creek a few times, I think, but, um, I don't really go, it sounds terrible, but I do not, I do not go to a lot of his races because they are in the middle of the week and that's like my downtown. Yeah. We, trust me, we get that. We, uh, as <laughs> much
1: time as we go to the racetrack, I'm like, Ooh, do I really want to go to the racetrack on a Tuesday? As I say that, of course it is a Tuesday and Kyle's at a racetrack. So, uh, two of us can talk. The other one not so much because uh, he no, he'll has he find his way to a go-kart race in the middle of nowhere if he can. But, Whitney, again, congratulations on your win this past weekend. I know there's many more in your future. We're looking forward to uh, watching you, and thanks for taking some time to chat with us today. Thank you. Again, guys, that is Whitney Megs, young 17-year-old racer, making her way up through the ranks captured a win this past weekend at the Hickory Motor Speedway. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got your Will & Engineering Modified Driver Spotlight.
0: Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights. Whelan also produces white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and high-powered warning systems for automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Every part of every Wheeland product is proudly designed and manufactured in America and is tested on-site to meet the toughest industry certifications. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 1915.
3: Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I
2: getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top 9 miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American
0: Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. Want to
2: experience racing in its purest form? Do you yearn to return to where NASCAR came from? Watch high-banked, full-throttle, super-late-model racing on Flow Racing, September 8th through the 11th. It's the crown jewel of dirt late models at Eldora Speedway with the World 100. This is grassroots racing at its finest. See who will win the globe by subscribing today. Go to flowracing.com world. That's flowracing.com world. Time now for this week's Wheel and Engineering Modified Tour Spotlight as we highlight one of the Modified Tour drivers this week on NASCAR Coast to Coast. And I'm going to talk to a driver that has been able to capture a couple of wins over the last two seasons, has over 70 Modified Tour starts, talking about the driver known as the Lutz Cracker. Craig Lutz joins us. Craig, welcome to this week's Wheel and Spotlight.
5: Hey, Kyle. Thanks for having me on.
2: First off, uh, we've talked about 70 plus starts on the modified tour dating back to oh, 2014. So, uh, you've been around the tour for quite some time. What got you started though in motorsports all those years ago, even before you even thought about the modified tour.
5: Uh, it was my dad. Uh, my dad was, my dad was racing Charger cars at Riverhead, which is kind of like a street stock in Connecticut. And, um, Every every weekend, every Saturday, we would go, uh, me and my three brothers, we'd all go to the racetrack and watch them race. And then as soon as me and my older brother were old enough at five, we started racing go-karts. So uh, from there, I just kept on escalating and then eventually ending up on the tour. What brought you the modified routes? Um, it was just always a dream of me and my dad, you know, uh. The modified tour in the Northeast is, you know, the biggest, best division out there. So, you know, you always want to race against the best and be the best. So, uh, the tour is where we uh, wanted to be.
2: Growing up, uh, before you got to the modified tour, who were some of your your racing heroes as a kid?
5: Teddy Christopher, you know, he was always my, uh, always a guy I loved watching. You know, from going to Atlantic City, watching on indoors and. Just all the different cars you'd win in and uh, always aggressive and uh, always always puts on a show. You debuted on the Modified Tour in
2: 2014. What do you remember about that first start?
5: It was actually the first time I ever drove a tour car in general. I've We've been running SKs at Waterford at the time, and uh, the, the tour was coming to Waterford, so I was able to put a deal together with uh, Jimmy Zacharias. And uh, we actually went all the way upstate, picked the car up, set it up, and really had no idea what we were getting into. And I think we qualified somewhere in the top 10 somewhere. And we were like, oh, my God, you know. Now, it was 160 laps. That was 161. I think it was like the Mr. Reuter 161, something like that. And um, I ended up, we ended up breaking something like lap 60s. But uh, it was just an overwhelming feeling, you know, just the, the difference in the power compared from an S-K to a tour car. So definitely a, a cool learning experience, though.
2: And five years later, you were able to pick up that first win at the end of the 2019 season at the Stafford Motor Speedway, holding off Justin Your and Doug Coby, second and third. What will you remember most about that first
5: win? It was just that year at Stafford. It was We raced there three times in we had a shot to win almost the, the first two times, you know, the, the spring scissor, we were really close, you know, it was a tight battle between Doug Covey and me and um, felt like that one slipped through my hands a little bit being still have it one race. It, you know, it takes to lose one to win one, but um, to finally win one at the fall final and one of the biggest races of the year and at Stafford, which is such a demanding place was uh, definitely huge. And finally, what's life
2: like away from the racetrack for you? And, and how hard is it to, to break away from racing um, when we hit the off season months of, of November, December, January, and, and sometimes for some of the guys, February?
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, luckily enough, I, I'm able to take the time off for work. I work for my dad's family business, our family business doing uh, construction work. So, but, um, you know, it's usually working from seven to three 30 every day. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays, I go up to the race shop and help the guys try to get the car ready for the week, the upcoming weekend. And then, um, depending where we're racing, it's Friday, Saturday, traveling home Sunday, or, and then it's right back to work Monday. So it's, uh, definitely a busy eight months of the year between February all the way to, you know, October it's, it's a lot, but, uh, nothing I'd rather do you know we, we do it because we love it absolutely
2: three-time winner on the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour those two, three wins coming over the last two seasons Craig Lutz thanks for joining us on this week's Wheel and Engineering Modified Tour Spotlight
5: thank you
3: Gamers, start your engines. Meet the next generation of racing wheels. The award-winning Logitech G design is re-engineered to dial into your game physics, delivering unprecedented realism. Feel every shift, drift, and hairpin turn like never before. Our latest innovation in force feedback technology connects directly to end-game simulation engines and physics to produce higher-fidelity, real-time responses. Through design, engineering, and the love of driving games, Logitech G takes racing simulation to another level. Go to LogitechG.com.
0: Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights. Whelan also produces white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and high-powered warning systems for automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Every part of every Whelan product is proudly designed and manufactured in America and is tested on-site to meet the toughest industry certifications. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 19.
3: Ride on our strength.
1: Welcome back to NASCAR Coast to Coast. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. Aside the doubleheader for the ARCA Menard Series, the ARCA West Series was also in action at the Irwindale Speedway. Kind of cool to see Ryan Partridge jump back behind the wheel of a car for a last minute call, ultimately not getting the finish that he wanted, but always good to see someone that we've talked about for quite some time get that opportunity. But it would be the youngster of Jesse Love who captured the victory over Jake Drew and Paul Petroncelli Jr. They're off until September 11th, where they make the return to the Portland International Raceway. Cool to see that racetrack back on the schedule. As of right now, a little shakeup in the points for the West Series after that weekend. Jesse Love now leads over Cole Moore with an 11-point gap. Jake Drew and Todd Souza currently tied 14 points behind Jesse Love. So still a pretty good points battle heating up in the West Series with a handful of races left for them. Modifieds, though, made their way to Beach Ridge over the weekend, Kyle.
2: And they did for the Rumble at the Ridge at the Beach Ridge Motor Speedway. First time the series has raced there since 2005. Jerry Marquis won on that afternoon. Ron Silk won on Saturday night past uh, Matt Hirschman with just a couple of laps to go. Very aggressive pass to the inside of turns three and four. Was fun to watch. Uh, those two always seem to put on a show. Patrick Emerling finished in third. Matt Swanson fourth. Doug Kobe rounded out the top five. Justin Bonsignor, the current point leader, finished in the eighth spot, so he lost a little bit of ground in the championship standings. Now just eight points separating Bonsignor from Emerling. They uh, have pretty much walked away from Ron Silkin, third in the standings, 63 points back. Then it's John McKennedy, 65 back, and Doug Kobe, who missed a race but has been able to climb back into the top five, 72 back. Their next event, Sunday, September 4th, at the Oswego Speedway in New, uh, in New York. Just four races to go. to believe in their 2021 campaign the champion will be crowned uh, right behind me here at the Stafford motor speedway also want to congratulate ryan priest who uh won here in a tour type modified this past friday night before heading off to the michigan international speedway and while we're talking modifieds uh, we previewed it last week bowman gray stadium the carolina farm credit 150 rounded out their 2021 season 26 cars took the green flag around the little quarter mile bowman gray oval Jonathan Brown claimed the win over Danny Bone, James Savalli, Chris Fleming, and Tim Brown, the top five. Burt Myers finished sixth. The race saw 13 caution flags and uh, included a controversial incident under the yellow where Burt Myers came together with Brandon Ward under green. Then under the yellow, Ward retaliated, uh, tried taking Myers out, and uh, Myers able to stay on the racetrack but with damage. Some say that might have cost him the title because Tim Brown – is your 2021 Bowman Gray champion by just 11 points over Burt Myers, his 11th track title.
1: The Madhouse simply out the Madhouse. That's all you Lives can say Hickory, so, um, mentioned, also in action, of course, yep. we talked to Whitney Megs. Uh, they did run their weekly program as well.
2: Uh, they did. Um, won their weekly program. Whitney Megs Jen held off Jake Crum. Taylor Satterfield picked up the win in late model race number two over Josh Kosick. Max Price won in the limited late models. Sunset Speedway up in Canada. They were in action with their late models. Rick Spencer-Walt, a name that uh, we have talked about quite a bit here on the show the last couple of years, picked up the win over Miles Tyson. Also, Lane Zardo picked up the race win in the Super Stocks. They are back in action with pro late models this week. And then the Berlin Raceway, uh, Jeff Striegel's racetrack out there, our very own Jeff Striegel getting the program in. Kevin make that Kyle Crump held off Brian Campbell another one of their regulars to pick up the race win in the battle at Berlin 150 for the CRA Super Series this past weekend and also Peyton Sellers the driver we talked to recently swept, swept both of the late model features at South Boston thus uh, most likely extending his lead in the division one NASCAR wheeling or NASCAR all advanced auto parts weekly series national standings it's only been what a year and a half
1: it's okay. Remember when they first switched over to the Arca Menard series for all of our Arca West, and we were gonna have a jar yes. that we were gonna stick. We we now need to have that for the advanced auto part weekly series. Cause I'm yes. pretty sure if it's not me, it's you. One of us messes it up. I mean, I but, think
2: I called it K and N just last week. So
1: Yeah. You know, there's still people that come up and ask me about the nationwide series. So I think there's just some things that just simply never die, and those are one of them. Um, Kyle Crump, though, cool to see him get that, you know, win at Berlin. He's been on a hot streak capturing a couple wins in big, super late model racing as of late. So definitely someone if you're not familiar with, keep an eye on him. Kyle, we go beachside this weekend as we head down to Daytona. Uh, We'll both be back on the call for the Motor Racing Network with everything they have going on there. I haven't seen you since mid-Ohio. Are you excited?
2: I am. I am. It's going to be it's going to be a great weekend. Uh, we uh, we are in the middle of the race to the playoffs for the Xfinity Series. That's the, uh, what, the Wawa 250 on Friday night, and then the Coke Zero Sugar 400 on Saturday night to determine the 16-driver NASCAR Cup Series playoff field. And I can't wait to take my perch outside of turn four in the Sunoco sign, and I know you'll be uh, pounding the pavement on pit road.
1: Up, excited to be rejoining things uh, on the NASCAR side of things. I feel like I never really actually left it simply because drivers like Kyle Larson would show up in my job at the World of Outlaw late model series, and I still somehow managed to interview him. So, i uh, been a fun crossover summer for me. Looking forward to being back on the microphone with the Motor Racing Network. Again, this up and coming weekend, the Milwaukee Mile will be in action for the Arkham series. You can catch all of that on. NBC's Track Pass. Uh, we'll have all of that to recap and more next week on MRN's NASCAR Coast to Coast. I'm Hannah Newhouse for Kyle Ricky and producer Craig Moore. We will see you guys next week with more short track racing action.